It's almost as if the tentacles on the book are holding me, as if they've grown out of the cover and onto my hands, snaking up my arms into my ears. Caroline Kepnes, Providence. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast focusing on the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie. And I'm your other host, Rachel. Well, we're back with another round of upcoming book releases. From heavy metal to killer lizards, we're talking about our most anticipated horror books for the remainder of 2018 on this episode of Books in the Freezer. This episode of Books in the Freezer is brought to you by Audible. This podcast wouldn't be possible without audiobooks. So if you want some spooky stories told by some familiar voices, try Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, read by Dexter's Michael C. Hall, or The Dead Zone, read by James Franco, or podcast favorite Joe Hill's Nosferatu, read by Kate Mulgrew. For a free audiobook and 30-day trial, go to audibletrial.com slash booksinthefreezer. Happy listening! So back in episode seven, we discussed some of our most anticipated releases for the first part of the year. However, at the time, we could only talk about the books that we knew about so far, and we actually had a lot of difficulty tracking down enough titles. Thankfully, the second half of the year has a lot more horror releases with the fall and Halloween coming up, so it was a lot easier to compile this list, and we have a lot of books to talk about. But before we talk about the new books that are coming out, let's talk a little bit more about the books we talked about in that last episode. So we each picked out three books that we were most anticipating for the first half of the year. Stephanie, have you actually read any of those books? I actually have read all three. The first one I got was an ARC copy of The Hunger, which I was really excited for. And then I actually did not get approved for an ARC for Unburied Carol by Josh Mallerman. But one of our lovely Patreon supporters actually sent me her physical ARC copy. So thank you so much, Elizabeth. That's amazing. I know. I was so happy. And Cabin at the End of the World, I got like rejected on every front. And then I tried Edelweiss. And then they recently, like a few weeks ago, greenlit me. So I actually got a copy and finally read that. So I was really excited. How about you? Well, now I just look bad after like three gold stars. I also have a digital copy of Cabin at the End of the World, which I haven't read yet, but want to really, really soon. But in terms of my picks, I didn't do so well at all. And I kind of have a few excuses. The first one I talked about was Slenderman by Will Hill, and it never came out. I emailed the publisher and I don't know what happened with that book. I don't think it's a thing. I found it on Goodreads and apparently I should have fact checked it a little more before the episode. The other book that I wanted to read was Blood Cruise by Matt Strandberg. And this was a book that was originally published in another language and was supposed to get its English translation done this year, which also didn't happen. So I can't read a book that does not exist in English. I'm sorry, but not sorry. However, (laughs) my third pick was The Outsider by Stephen King. And honestly, I have not read that one, which is more so my own fault. I actually haven't read tons of Stephen King. 
which is, I know, shocking for anyone who's listening because this is a horror podcast. But I feel like I need to read a lot more of his backlist. Some of his more popular books like Misery I've never read. I feel like I want to read those iconic stories before I get to some of his newer work. So I wanted to talk about it in that other episode because you can't talk about horror upcoming releases and not talk about Stephen King. It was just a little bit lower on my list. But anyway, I plan to read lots of the books we're talking about in this episode and turn it around. Besides those three books, how have you been doing in terms of reading more new releases this year? I remember you saying in the past episode that you didn't tend to read a lot of newer books, that you kind of read more books that were a couple years old. Yeah, I was definitely more of a backlist reader, but I think since starting the podcast, I wanted to play a bigger part in the conversation about the stuff that was coming out now and getting caught up on authors' latest works. And with the award seasons coming up with Bram Stoker and the Shirley Jackson Awards, I like getting caught up and having read books that are actually nominated. So I've been trying this year to do a better job of getting caught up in kind of the major horror stuff that's getting released. Yeah, I really liked your idea. So I've been trying to do the same thing. I've probably read about like four or five new releases this year when it comes to horror. So I'm hoping to change that and read a ton more in the next couple weeks and we'll see how that goes. But the hard part with the podcast, it almost has the opposite effect on me because I try to read lots of new releases, but for the sake of choosing books for different episode topics, it's a little bit easier to go into the backlist when I'm looking for a really niche subgenre. So I actually find myself going back to more older titles than I expected to just to find those really small hidden gems that maybe people haven't heard about. And that makes sense in doing research for the episode. I definitely see where you're coming from. So with the books that you've picked out for this episode, do you see any similarities in the stories? Yeah, I was thinking lately, and we kind of talked about this beforehand, but I picked out a lot of fun horror lately. And maybe it again comes back to the fact that I've been a little bit more stressed out at work, a little busier. And those are my comfort reads, like fun, entertaining, not too serious horror, the kind of books that are maybe like slashers that don't take themselves too seriously. And I definitely see a lot of those picks in my list of books that I'm excited for for the rest of the year. And it's funny because you pointed out to me that I used to say that I didn't like funny books or didn't like satirical horror. Apparently I do because that's all I've been reading lately. I actually need to take some time and read some more serious horror books. Like last year I was reading like The Exorcist and The Troop. And this year it's all these ridiculous titles. Like I'm going to be talking about some like really goofy stuff in some upcoming episodes because I've read like books about towns full of creepy cats lately. The one thing I would have liked to see in this anticipated release episode is more titles by women. After talking with Christina Meester, I have wanted to read way more female horror. And then I looked at the list I picked out and there's only like one or two that feature female horror authors. So I feel like I failed so badly. So frustrating. Yeah. How about you? So I've noticed I've really been into anthologies this year, which is funny because short stories were your thing last year. Yeah, no kidding. I haven't read an anthology since I gushed about them on the podcast. So it's like we kind of swapped. Yeah. (laughs) So I was noticing when I went through, I found a lot of really good anthologies that I'm really excited to get to this next year. And since we've been doing this podcast and we recorded our YA episode with Cameron, I've noticed I'm a lot more open-minded to YA horror than I was at the beginning. So there's one that I read that's coming out soon that I just absolutely loved and cannot wait to talk about. That's fantastic. I felt like that was a topic that I kind of 
encouraged us to do. And I felt like you went along with it and were very accommodating to me being like, let's do YA horror. Let's do YA horror. So I love the fact that you're the one with a YA pick on this list. Also, remember when we were doing the research for it, I DNF'd so many books that just did not fit with me. But I think finding the stuff you like, you know, in YA is just so great. That's a really good point. We almost have to have another behind the scenes episode where we get to talk about all the things that don't make it into the podcast because there are times where we're preparing for an episode and we're both just trying to find picks. We have one episode coming up. You've kind of heard me chatter about where I keep picking up books and either I realize that you're already talking about them or they don't apply to the topic or things like that. So there's a lot of behind the scene reading that happens before we actually get to the point of recommending books in a particular episode. Yeah, so we'll have to see if we can find a way to to do that. Just talk about all the books we've liked DNF'd or research that goes into the episodes. So let us know if that's something you would be interested in. If you want to know all our dirty secrets of all the DNFs or <laughs> rejected titles. But since we're talking about it already, do you want to start by recommending the YA horror that you're excited about? Yes, and that is Scream All Night by Derek Millman. This is coming out July 24th by Balzac and Brayer, which is part of HarperCollins. So the plot of this story is Dario Hayward. He's the son of a legendary filmmaker who's known for cult B-horror movies that are made at the Moldavia castle. Dario was legally emancipated from his family when he was a young teen. He vowed never to go back, but he gets a call from his brother asking him to come back for a mysterious ceremony involving a tribute to his father and his first film. So he finds himself getting sucked back in into the twisted world of Moldavia Studios. This isn't technically horror, but there is just so much horror in it and horror plays such a big part of it. And especially if you have any familiarity with those B-horror movies, there is just so much about that. He goes back to this castle that's this movie-making studio that he grew up in. And like one of the wings, they do all the props and the makeup artists and sets and like everything is on the grounds. But what I loved about it is that it was almost just a poignant coming of age story. And Rachel knows like living at a gothic castle where they make horror movies is basically my dream. (laughs) There were some dark things that happened to Dario there and he has to come to terms with that. And I just loved this story about, you know, becoming your own person and defining yourself. I don't know. It just really worked for me on so many levels and I thought it was executed very well and I just absolutely loved it. So did it reinforce your dream of living in a gothic castle or did it maybe shatter your (laughs) crazy ideas? I mean, I understood the issues that he had, but I mean, when he was talking about like the checkerboard marble floors and all this stuff, I was like, yeah, that's still basically my dream is to like live at the Adams family mansion. Yeah. Didn't you actually have that dream growing up? (laughs) I had a literal reoccurring dream where I asked the Adams family to adopt me and then they said they would think about it, but I had to go through like kind of an obstacle course to see if I would be a good fit. And there was a swamp monster that I never made it past. It was like the second obstacle. That would make a great movie. (laughs) (laughs) And just to be clear, you're talking dream. Like this wasn't a nightmare. You were excited to be part of their family, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it's okay, round two, I got this. I'll make it this time. Yeah, your dreams are definitely other people's nightmares for sure. (laughs) I know, I'm a total weirdo. What's a book you're excited about? 
So my first pick is Resurrection High by John Burrell. This is coming out on June 19th, which is pretty quick, from Cemetery Gates. This is set in the 1990s, so first off, it's not the 80s. I am picking a different decade to gush about. Nice. So I'm proud there. But this book follows a teenage boy named Eric who attended a high school where he had trouble fitting in, his best friend had died, and his other friend ditched him for a girl, and he's also dealing with bullies. He also has a bad home life with an abusive stepfather, so he prefers to spend his time hanging out in the graveyard. In order to get some final closure on the death of his best friend, he plans to exhume the casket, and this plan gets side-railed when he begins to investigate the mysterious death of three artists who died a century ago in that town. I always find it really hard to talk about books before I've read them because I don't always fully understand the synopsis. I'm trying to kind of paraphrase what I'm reading. And this one, I don't really know what's going to happen. But the reason I'm excited about it, again, is that nostalgic feeling to the book. I love books set in the 80s. And the only thing I love more than the 80s is the 90s because that's when I grew up. Mm -hmm. And this book is described as nostalgic and darkly comic and really a story about a teenager finding a passion for life after loss. So it sounds like it has a lot of heart. I'm really curious what the tone's going to be like because it could really fall into one of those silly fun horror that I like. But the fact that the main character is dealing with the death of his best friend makes me think that it might go to more serious places. So really curious to check it out for myself. I've read a short story collection by the author Burrell before. It was called Corpse Cold. And so I'm really looking forward to reading a full-length novel by him. I think he's just a really strong writer and just has a really good way of spinning a tale. So I'm hoping that there's going to be lots of references to like slap bracelets and Nirvana and all that other good 90s stuff. And I'm totally there for it. So again, that's Resurrection High by John Burrell, which will be out very shortly on June 19th. That sounds really interesting. And I actually know exactly what you mean about not understanding a book synopsis or like maybe not fully getting it because when we did our last new releases episode I completely butchered the synopsis of Unburied Carol and I completely misunderstood the whole thing so I understand oh good yeah so there's a few of these that you might go back and be like well that wasn't what Rachel said it was so I'm doing the best I can yeah so sorry the next book is Bad Man by Dathan Auerbach. This is coming out August 7th from Doubleday. Eric disappeared when he was three years old. Ben looked away only for a second at the grocery store, but that was all it took. His brother was gone, vanished right into the sticky air of the Florida panhandle. And they say you've only got a couple days to find a missing person, 48 hours to conduct searches, knock on doors, talk to witnesses, two days to tear the world apart if there's any chance of putting yours back together. That's your window. That window closed five years ago, leaving Ben's life in ruins. He still looks for his brother, still searches while his stepmother sits and waits and whispers for Eric, refusing to leave the house that Ben's father can no longer afford. Ben takes a night stock job at the only place that will have him, the store that blinked Eric out of existence. But Ben can feel there's something wrong there with the people, with his boss, with the gratified Baylor that shudders and moans and beckons. There's something wrong with the air itself. He knows he's in the right place now, that the store has so much to tell him. So he keeps searching, keeps looking for his baby brother while missing the most important message of all, that he should have stopped looking. I was just going to ask, what's the message? Like, wait, what? What is it telling him? 
So I'm really interested to hear about this one because the other book that Auerbach wrote was Pen Pal, which we talked about in our indie episode. And that was a bit of an indie success story. He wrote a bunch of creepy pastas and kind of linked them all together with the narrative. And that was Pen Pal. And this seems like his first attempt at writing a novel start to finish. So I'm really interested to see how this one is. So far, it's been getting some good buzz from some people I follow on Twitter. So I'm really excited to hear about this one. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how this will compare to his first because knowing that the first one came from Reddit, there was different expectations about what it would be like. It's one I really want to watch to see how it's received. So my next pick is Jurassic Florida by Hunter Shea. And this is what I was talking about when I said that I picked out a lot of entertaining horror. This is coming out on June 19th from Kensington Books. And I promised you that I wouldn't just straight up read all the synopsis, which is kind of what the lazy part of me wanted to do for this episode. But I do want to give the tagline for this one because this sold me on this book. So here we go. Florida. It's where you go to die. Iguanas, they're everywhere. Humans, they're what's for dinner. (laughs) And I read that on NetGalley, which is a digital review site, and immediately requested a copy. I was like, yes, I am so here for killer iguanas. This is about a sunny retirement home in Florida called Polo Springs that has a problem because the entire community is overrun by baby iguanas that are causing damage and furiously eating everything in sight. However, the community thinks they have bigger problems because a hurricane just slammed into the coast, bringing even more iguanas. But these ones are even bigger, nastier, prehistoric versions of the lizards that we know, and they begin to feast upon the senior citizens. So this is totally my kind of thing. Maybe not your kind as much. (laughs) I have a really soft spot for creature horror for anyone who doesn't know. And I particularly love dinosaurs. So the fact that this is kind of a prehistoric version of a modern lizard is just fantastic. Just from the title, you can tell that they're making a lot of nods to Jurassic Park. And I am so here for this. If you get a chance, check out the cover because I love it so much. It just looks like giant lizards like chasing after people. And it just looks fun. It's my first time reading Hunter Shea, but I know he's done quite a few different books. So this will hopefully be a good place to kind of jump me into his work. And I'm hoping that the senior citizens fight back. I would love to see like an old man like whacking like giant lizards with his walker. I would be all there for that. So I have high hopes. I believe it's a novella, so it should be a fairly short read. And I will definitely be reporting back on that one because, again, this is the kind of fun horror that I just cannot get enough of. It's cheesy. It's probably going to be campy, but I mean that in the best possible way. I am so here for killer lizards. That definitely sounds like a Rachel book, like at least the mood that you've been in and the kind of books you've been reading. That sounds totally up your alley. Yeah, maybe not the most like emotionally deep book. And I do appreciate like a well-written, thought-provoking piece of horror. But right now, I just so want to read about killer lizards and senior citizens like going at it. It sounds hilarious. So these are the highbrow books that I read for fun. (laughs) Well, one that I know you and I are both really excited for is a new Grady Hendrix book. 
Yes. Yep. It's always a good sign. So that is We Sold Our Souls by Grady Hendrix. This is coming out September 18th from Quark. And this is a new novel of supernatural horror and pop culture from the author of Horror Store, My Best Friend's Exorcism, and Paperbacks from Hell. So in the 90s, there was a heavy metal band named Dirt Work that was poised for breakout success. But then the lead singer Terry Hunt embarked on a solo career and rocketed to stardom as Coffin, leaving his fellow bandmates to rot in rural Pennsylvania. Two decades later, former guitarist Chris Pulaski works as the night manager of a Best Western. She's tired, broke, and unhappy. But everything changes when she discovers a shocking secret from her heavy metal past. Turns out that Terry's meteoric rise to success may have come at a price of Chris's very soul. This revelation prompts Chris to hit the road, reunite with the rest of her bandmates, and confront the man who ruined her life. It's a journey that will take her from the Pennsylvania Rust Belt to a satanic rehab center, and finally to a Las Vegas music festival that's darker than any mortar Tolkien could imagine. A furious power ballad about never giving up, even in the face of overwhelming odds. So We Sold Our Souls is an epic journey into the heart of a conspiracy-crazed, paranoid country that seems to have lost its soul, where only a girl with a guitar can save us all. I am so excited about this one. Basically, anything that Grady Hendrix done is like a free pass for me. Like, I can't wait for this to come out. This is going to be kind of his take on the Faustian bargain. And that just has such a deep history with music and all like the music urban legends about like selling your soul for fame or like talent and success. So I am really interested to read this. And I feel like every book he writes, he just has such a love and knowledge of that subgenre. And he can therefore play with it so well. And I know he's mentioned on Twitter and on Instagram that this is a very personal work to him, that he's bringing just a lot of his personal nostalgia into this. So I am really, really excited to read this. Same. I'm just nodding over here, but you can't see me. Grady Hendrix is pretty much the rock star of the horror genre right now. So to have him do this book is going to be so well done. I also am looking to see what he's going to do with that classic making a deal with the devil and like the title suggests, like selling your soul. I just think he writes the most intelligent horror. He almost crosses that line between what I talked about more that entertaining fun horror but then there are so many details and nods that people who are looking for extra layers to the story, there's so much to dive into that I think like, you know, fans will really appreciate and get so much more out of the story. Quite honestly, I will just read whatever he writes next. And I just got a review copy that came in this morning. Lucky. I am so excited. It's gorgeous. I love the cover and I'm just over the moon. So I will definitely be reading it and I probably won't be able to wait till the review date. So I'm just going to read it now. I'm so excited. (laughs) So the next book I want to talk about is The Chrysalis by Brendan Deneen. And this is coming out on September 4th by Tor Books. This story follows a couple, Tom and Jenny, who are two underemployed millennials who have to move out of New York City when they can no longer afford rent. They end up finding a beautiful, affordable, fully furnished home in New Jersey. And of course, it seems too good to be true. From there, their life begins to change. Tom abandons his ambitions to become an artist in order to get a high-paying corporate job. And Jenny starts a stay-at-home business when she learns that she's pregnant. And they make friends with the other people in their suburban neighborhood. However, something is calling to Tom in the basement, where something is playing with his senses and emotions. And he starts to feel invincible, which is a very dangerous feeling. 
And I'm excited for this one. Again, it's almost one with a little bit of a vague synopsis. It certainly sounds in a way like a haunted house story, but it almost has a psychological aspect, which is my favorite kind of haunted house story. So I'm very excited for it. I'm also really excited that it's coming out from Tor because they also do a lot of science fiction publishing and they're definitely one of my favorites. So I love when they include some horror in their fall lineup. I'm also thinking this one might be really relatable because the main characters are in kind of a similar life phase. They're in those younger, starting out their career phase, kind of transitioning into adults. And this book is really supposed to play with the idea or make fun of the classic idea of adulting. So I'm just really excited to see where it goes. I also wonder if the basement is going to be used as a bit of a man cave and kind of tie into that. I know I have a man cave for my husband and tell him to keep all his junk downstairs. No offense, honey, but you got a lot of it. And I just think it's going to deal with a lot of the themes of like exploring the challenges of growing up and compromising, which actually reminds me a lot of The Interestings by Meg Walliser, which is definitely not a horror book, but deals with a lot of the themes. So if they take The Interestings and then make it horror and make it creepy, I am so there for that. Oh, yeah. Somebody blurb that. Done. Put me on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's an auto buy from me. (laughs) Perfect. So that's The Chrysalis by Brendan Deneen, which will be out on September 4th. And I'm very excited for that one. So the next book is I Am Behind You, and it looks like it's going to be part of a series, Plat Cerna Number 1, by John Adita Lindquist, who is the author of Let the Right One In and Handling the Undead and various other horror books. This is coming out October 26th from St. Martin's Press and Macmillan. So this seems really interesting, maybe kind of post-apocalyptic. Molly wakes her mother to go to the toilet. The campsite is strangely blank. The toilet block is gone. Everything else is gone too. This is a place with no sun, no God. Just four families remain. Each has done something to bring them here. Each denies they deserve it until they see what's coming over the horizon, moving irrevocably towards them. Their worst mistake, their darkest fear, and for just one of them, their homecoming. This gripping conceptual horror takes you deep into one of the most macabre and unique imaginations writing in the genre. On family, on children, Lindquist writes in a way that tears the heart and twists the soul. Disturbing, terrifying, and shattering by turns, it will suck you in. I'm very interested because obviously I loved Let the Right One Aid. I almost like don't know what to think of this book. Is it like an end of the world book like it sounds like but I'm really interested about the four families and what they did to kind of be put in this wasteland kind of a and then there were none-esque twist to it it says it's conceptual horrors maybe a little post-apocalyptic conceptual we'll see I'm interested to see this yeah that's another one where I can't figure out exactly what it's going to be from that synopsis I really would like to read his more popular one let the right one in first you've been gushing about that other one enough so I really got to start there but eventually you know if it's good I'd like to get to this one too yeah it was gone from NetGalley when I tried to get it like they had just removed it and I was like no come back oh that's the worst Now I want to mention one horror nonfiction book, which I'm excited about, and that is End of the Road by Brian Keene. This is coming out sometime in 2018 by Cemetery Dance, and this is a nonfiction book about the changes in the horror publication genre over the last 20 years. It's supposed to be part memoir, part travelogue. It's been described as a post-dance macabre examination of modern horror, which always sounds good. 
And it's also described as being emotional yet funny. And I'm just really interested in reading more horror nonfiction. I read Paperbacks from Hell last year and absolutely loved it. And I'm just looking to read more about horror, more about the genre, especially because we're doing the podcast. I'm just very interested in having a good understanding of not only the current state of the horror genre, but how it's changed. And most of the nonfiction I find about horror is always focused around the movies. So I'm really excited to have another book that's actually focused on horror publications. So very interested in this. Don't know exactly when it's going to be out, but if I can get my hands on it, I will be so happy to read it. That sounds really interesting. And I agree. We definitely need to read a little more horror nonfiction. I actually just got paperbacks from hell. I am so excited for you to read that. So now moving on to the subgenre of horror thrillers, I want to talk about a book that's coming out June 19th from Penguin Random House that I read and absolutely loved. This is Providence by Caroline Kepnes. So this is a supernatural thriller. Chloe and John are two best friends who grew up in a small town in New Hampshire, and they feel like they're the only ones who understand each other. But right when they're ready to tell each other how they feel, John is suddenly kidnapped by a substitute teacher who is obsessed with H.P. Lovecraft. Chloe has a really hard time dealing with John's disappearance. She tries to fit in with the popular kids. When John finally escapes, he discovers that he now has an uncontrollable power that puts anyone he has strong feelings for in danger. He runs away to protect Chloe and finds that there is a detective on his trail investigating some similarities in a string of what seems like vigilante killings. The thriller follows the relationships between John and Chloe, the nature of obsession, self-preservation. This is very different to you, which was, you know, very straightforward stalker story that was excellent in its own right. This is, like I mentioned at the top, a supernatural thriller. There are some similar elements. Sometimes when she is writing from John's perspective, it does have that voyeur quality that Joe's perspective had at times because John has to live his life in a way where he separates himself from people. So that kind of looking at the world from the outside in perspective really reminded me of you. And it's just a voice she does so well that I really loved. I don't know why I just connect with her writing in such a way. And she has this very natural way of writing in pop culture in her books in just a way that seems so conversational and natural and not like it's trying to be nerdy or I don't know, like prove anything. It's just like, no, this is just how people talk. Like they just reference things and it just seems so natural. I love the way she writes dialogue. I just absolutely love her. So this is Providence. This is coming out June 19th. So pretty soon. I just started reading it last night and agree with everything you just said. Definitely any book I've noticed that has pop culture references, that's becoming something I consider a Stephanie book. Yeah. <laughs> because you love pop culture. I do too when I get it, but I'm not as immersed as you are. So I'm really enjoying it. Same thing, like lover writing. The one thing I was thinking is that a lot of people are going to be coming from you, which was just a straight up thriller. Yeah. So I think this will actually have a lot more appeal to people who normally read horror like we do because we're already used to that suspension of disbelief. But I'm very excited to finish it up. I'm about halfway done and we'll oh, wow. probably finish it up tomorrow. I just read it really fast because it's really addictive. So oh yeah, yeah, excited to see where it goes because you already know the ending. Oh yeah. 
and the Lovecraft stuff was very entry level. Like I, as I've mentioned many times, do not have a ton of history with reading a lot of Lovecraft. That's just not my reading background. And I think she does a really good job of explaining those elements to it. So even if you don't come from a big HP Lovecraft background, you will still understand everything. That was my experience too, is she gives you all the information you need to know. So my next pick is Faux by Ian Reed, and this is coming out on August 7th. And I requested a copy and they were so kind as to send me one. It just showed up today and I'm beyond excited. The book is cute and small with a gorgeous cover. And I don't know if I should admit this, but I requested it without even reading the synopsis online. I just said, it's Ian Reed. I want it. <laughs> and so I didn't actually know the synopsis until we started preparing for this episode. So I'm going to attempt to describe this book, which has a very vague synopsis. It's described as being a haunting philosophical puzzle. Set in the near future, Junior and Henrietta live together in a quiet farm far away from city life. And then one day, a stranger arrives from the city with news that Junior has been selected to travel far away. Henrietta, however, won't be left alone, but instead will be left with some very familiar company. So from what I can tell from there, it sounds like another literary psychological suspense with possibly a science fiction or at least speculative fiction angle, which I am all there for. Mm -hmm. I, of course, loved I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It was my favorite book from last year. And I'm going to try really, really hard not to compare the two because I don't know if anything can live up to the perfection of that book. But that being said, I love Ian Reid's writing, so I have no doubt that I'm going to enjoy this one. I've read everything he's written, including his memoirs, and I just think he can do no wrong by me. When I requested a copy, the publicist ended up just gushing in their emails about how much I was going to love this. And yes, it's their job to get people excited about books, but they know my taste really well at this point, so... The fact that they were like, you will love this book. I was like, I am so ready for this. I just think it's probably going to be one of my top books of the entire year. So again, that's Faux by Ian Reid coming out on August 7th. But I will probably have the book read by this weekend because I'm just obsessed with it and cannot stop thinking about it all day. I've just been thinking about it. I wanted to go back and read it. That is so exciting. I am really interested too, just because I loved, I'm thinking of ending things, but I totally agree about like not bringing in the author's previous work into their new work and setting yourself up for any kind of disappointments. Just go into things as their own thing. It's so hard not to compare. I know. And you have one more thriller you want to talk about, which is another one I'm excited about too. So uh, if you want to tell people about that. I am so excited. This is My Sister, The Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite. And satire meets slasher in this short, darkly funny hand grenade of a novel about a Nigerian woman whose younger sister has a very inconvenient habit of killing her boyfriends. Femi makes three, you know, three and they label you a serial killer. So Kareti is bitter and how could she not be? Her sister Ayula is many things, the favorite child, the beautiful one, possibly sociopathic. And now Ayula's third boyfriend in a row is dead. Coretti's practicality is the sister's saving grace. She knows the best solutions for cleaning blood. The trunk of her car is big enough for a body. And she keeps Ayula from posting pictures of her dinner to Instagram when she should be mourning her missing boyfriend. Not that she gets any credit. A kind, handsome doctor at the hospital where Coretti works is the bright spot in her life. She dreams of the day he will realize they're perfect for each other. 
But one day, Ayula shows up to the hospital uninvited, and he takes notice. When he asks Coretti for Ayula's phone number, she must reckon with what her sister has become and what she will do about it. So this is described as sharp as nails, full of deadpan wit. Oyinkan Braithwaite has written a deliciously deadly debut that's as fun as it is frightening. Everything about that sounds amazing. I know. (laughs) I especially loved that she just has to deal with the aftermath of all this stuff and she just knows how to clean up blood and how to get rid of bodies and it's just kind of like oh this is something I have to deal with just that everyday life oh yeah I gotta clean up after her again yes this seems hilarious just I am here for everything about a sister having to clean up after her serial killer sister who cannot stop killing her boyfriends and of course we mentioned that we have a big need for diverse books and books by women and I am totally here for this on every level. Yes, me too. Bring it on. November cannot come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, so this is My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite. This is coming out November 13th from Doubleday. Yes, please. So now we want to talk about some anthologies that we're excited about. And the first one I want to mention, speaking of female horror authors, is Fright Into Flight, which is edited by Amber Fallen. This is coming out sometime in the fall by Word Horde. And the stories are all connected by the theme of women taking flight. And the reason I'm so crazy excited for this is that the entire anthology is going to be stories about women by women. At this time, they haven't finalized the lineup, but it's going to include people like Gemma Files, Christine Morgan, Nadia Balkin, who's one that I personally read and really enjoyed her collection of short stories. And honestly, I'm just so excited. After that episode I mentioned where we talked with Christy Demeester, I have been on a horror women high. I just want to read every single book that Christy talked about. Oh, yeah. And this is just another great way to check out a lot of the names that she mentioned in that episode are also getting featured in this book. So I cannot wait to check it out. There's supposed to be a good range of stories within the collection just because it's a really open theme like the idea of flight could be interpreted so many different ways so i've heard some of the stories are about angels and other ones are about demons so we'll see what happens but i'm again all there for it oh yeah that sounds really good i might have to see if i can get my hands on this one this sounds just amazing i know it's just like right up our alley So another anthology coming out is New Fears 2, and this is compiled by Mark Morris. I read the first New Fears anthology, and I really enjoyed it. I don't think this was an anthology with, like, a strong theme that the writers had to, like, stick with. You know how some anthologies do that? Yeah. There was a lot of really good stories in the last anthology. There was a Josh Mallerman story that I loved called House of the Head, and it was about this girl watching this dollhouse family get murdered and she's just like watching it happen it's awesome oh so in this collection is gonna have stories from paul tremblay and Gemma files who you mentioned from the last one so i am really excited about this one i will probably be ordering this one too and that's coming out on september 18th and then Another anthology that's going to be a ghost story anthology is called Phantoms, Haunting Tales from the Masters of the Genre. This is going to be compiled by Marie O'Regan. And this lineup seems a little cray cray. (laughs) I don't know how they managed this. So there's going to be stories by Joe Hill, Angela Slattery, M.R. Carey, 
Paul Tremblay, and Josh Mallerman. And this is set to come out October 9th. And I was looking on Goodreads. I didn't see any cover art for this yet. So I'll have to keep checking up on this one. I want that one so badly. It's a killer lineup. Oh, yeah. And then another one we want to talk about is Hark the Herald Angel Scream, which is, of course, an anthology that is all Christmas themed. It's coming out on October 23rd by Knopf. And it's compiled by Christopher Golden. This is 18 stories of Christmas horror featuring authors like Scott Smith, Shauna McGuire, I love her short stories, Josh Mallerman, apparently he's in every collection this year, and Sarah Pinnenbro. These are all new stories, which I'm happy because a lot of times these themed seasonal anthologies can be reprints of old classics, but these are all brand new and we both actually have digital copies of this, which oh, yeah. I'm really excited for. It'll be a lot of fun. Oh, when I saw that cover art and I saw the theme, I needed this in my life. Yes, I was thinking, where were you last year when we were compiling our Christmas-themed horror? (laughs) This book would have been perfect for that. We may have to revisit it again. I think so. The only thing a little bit funny is the fact that it's coming out in October means that we're probably going to end up reading it over the summer. Is that going to be kind of weird reading a whole bunch of like Christmas-themed anthology stories over the summer months? Does Canada not do Christmas in July specials on TV? That's a good point. It's like our only two months without snow. We're going to enjoy them. (laughs) And finally, our last anthology that we're really excited about is Ellen Datlow's Best of the Best of Horror. This is coming out October 2018 from Simon & Schuster. And Ellen Datlow every year for the past 10 years has compiled Best of the Year in Horror. And this is the 10th year. So she is picking the best ones from those best of collections. So the best from the past nine years of the Best of the Year special anthologies. And I am so excited for this. I love Ellen Datlow's anthologies. The ones that I have read have all been great. That's how I've discovered a lot of new authors is just going through and reading those short stories. So I cannot wait for this and seeing what makes the best of the best. Same here. It's like basically the anthology version of an award show. I really want to see who makes the cut. And I think that would be a great gift too. Like I always think of those like gifty horror books and I mean, I wish I had more friends that read horror, but (laughs) this would be so good to, you know, be like, here, mom, Merry Christmas. Here's your horror anthology for the year. Yeah, that would make me happy. Exactly. Someone told my toddler. (laughs) (laughs) So in this episode, instead of doing chilling obsessions that are non-bookish, we decided to talk about what we're currently reading since we know you guys can't quite get your hands on the books that we're talking about right away. So we thought we would just let you know what we're reading. So at the moment, I am doing a buddy read of The Elementals by Michael McDowell. And I have been wanting to read this for a long time. My library did not have a copy of this, which I could not believe. I could not find it anywhere. And so I just finally decided to just put my money down and buy a copy. And so this is a Southern Gothic horror novel. It takes place in Alabama and there's three Victorian houses and one of them is getting like slowly buried in sand. And it opens up with this very chilling funeral scene that just you don't know how to take it. And so the author, Michael McDowell, comes from a screenwriting background. He was the screenwriter for Beetlejuice and 
the Nightmare Before Christmas and a few other stories like that. So and that definitely comes through. The dialogue in this is snappy and funny and it reads so fast and it's like a movie is playing in your head. So, so far, I am absolutely loving this. And I am also reading God in the Shed by J.F. Dubow. This is another book I bought myself with my birthday money. And this takes place in the Canadian small town of St. Ferdinand that has been plagued by a serial killer for decades. And the police arrested someone for the crime, but they might come to realize that there's possibly some darker forces behind the crimes. This has a beautiful cover and this has some creepy parts. So they arrest this guy. They find all these bodies in his house like in refrigerators and they find him and there's like a couch in the middle of the woods and the couch is facing a cave and all the victims are missing their eyes and all of the eyes are like on sticks facing the cave oh that's creepy yeah so it is really good so far i'm so excited that you're reading canadian horror oh yeah i'm loving it well there's a lot of good canadian horror out there you guys have nick cutter oh exactly and isn't ian reed canadian yes canada pride so what are you reading at the moment so i knew we were going to talk about what we were currently reading because like you said that people can't necessarily read the books that we're talking about otherwise but i kind of messed this up and started reading all my review copies so i'm currently in the middle of providence like i mentioned which you can't read for a few weeks yet but I'm also reading a book that is a newer book but has already come out on May 22nd from Apex Books. So let me focus on that one. And that is a novella called Ether Christ by Kirk Jones. This is about a small town in Vermont that mysteriously picks up analog broadcasts on their TVs that seem to prophesize impending deaths of their citizens. And the story follows a particular traveling salesman who gets wrapped up into a conspiracy when he sees himself on the screens and is scrambling to prevent the future that he sees from coming true. He basically sees a series of these 12 TVs and in each one he can see what is going to happen over the next few days. And he is just trying so badly to not have this be true. I don't want to give away too much, especially with novellas. You don't want to give away tons of details. You more want to figure it out for yourself. But what I will say, it's a unique blend of suspense and horror with maybe a little bit of science fiction. And I'm all here for books about government conspiracies. (laughs) I just got paranoid reading it because I was like, oh my gosh, like I could see that happening or oh, is that true? And I ended up fact checking to see (laughs) if things in the book were actually real or if it was something the author was making up and I do like books that kind of mess with my head and really blur the line between fiction and reality so again I don't want to give away too much of the plot but if you're into like old technology but it's set in the modern day and you just don't know who to trust and even a sense of doom because something terrible is coming and something awful is going to happen to the salesman and he is just freaking out and I loved it so much so I just technically finished it today, but I do recommend that one. And it's technically already out on May 22nd. So go ahead, pick that one up because it was really fun. That sounds really good. It's so quirky in the best possible way. So Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod or on Instagram at BooksInTheFreezer, or you can shoot us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. 
Our show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.wordpress.com. A special thank you to our patrons, Laura, Liz, Devin, Sarai, Roger, Emily, Denise, Anthony, Elizabeth, Sean, Mitch, and PT. If you're looking for a free way to support the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on a podcast app like iTunes or Stitcher. It just really helps people find the podcast. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at lady underscore Ganya. I recently started a bookish Instagram. If you want to look at what I'm reading, that's at that's what she read, but that has two A's. Or you can find me on YouTube at that's what she read. And again, I'm Rachel. You can find me on Twitter at shades underscore orange or on YouTube and Instagram at the shades of orange. So join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Thank you.